rest of us will be Romans chapter 15 together as we begin a new series. Uh, those of you who are in our Sunday morning Bible study every Sunday will believe that this is just a continuation of what we've been studying for a while, but it's really not. It's a little bit more uh, involved in that from a different uh, perspective and some different things to think about. Uh, remember last week I told you this book is in the hallway, and if you would like to have a copy, it's there. Uh, it's good to read along as I preach through this series. I'm not preaching what's in this book. I'm using the scripture from this book and uh, going to preach some uh, messages from these particular scriptures that have to do with basically with church growth, even though the title of that book has doesn't say much about the church growth. It says uh, the title of the book is Praying for Your Pastor. And it also says a church member's guide every pastor should read. So uh, let's learn together as we do that. First thing I want to tell you and make sure that we all agree is uh, if I ask a question, who is the most important person in the church? Everybody's going to say Jesus, right? Let's all say it together, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is number one. We just went through the book of Colossians together over the last uh, four or five weeks, maybe four weeks. And that, that letter to the Colossian church is all about Jesus being the center of it all. So please don't understand what we're about to study together for the next couple, three weeks that has everything to do with the preacher and his importance because that's not the case. Okay, this, this sermon series, this message series that we're going to uh, go down together, this journey we're going to go down, has everything to do with our congregation and any other congregation of believers around the world if we're seeking the Lord's will this is something we have to look at something that's important and there will be another couple of messages right behind it that had to do with how the how the preacher should be praying for the members of the church so don't think it's not it's one-sided all right so just kind of bear with me and keep with me a little bit you know the power of prayer is found in God's will. That's something that we have studied in our Bible study on Sunday mornings, early 10 o'clock Sunday morning. If you're not coming to that Bible study, you're missing out a little bit. I'm just saying. Uh, we have good conversations and we learn a lot together. And uh, we have a little bit of fun at the same time, I think. So anybody who's in there knows can tell you. Uh, if you, if you want to get up a little bit earlier and come and join us, you'll have a good time. We, we, we've been having cookies and coffee, too, by the way. Just saying. If cookies will get you here, I'll put them out there. But the power of prayer, is, according to God's will, is the key, right? When we're talking about prayer at any point, especially prayer for the preacher, we're talking about the will of God, y'all. All right? And I'll just make this clear. I just feel like I need to make it clear. I love being a preacher. I love that God called me to be a preacher. Okay, but it would not have been something I chose for myself because I was happy being a truck driver, totally happy, right? So this is, this, I'm not reluctantly being a preacher. I, I have a lot of joy in that, and of course it comes with its own challenges, right? But this is not about me. I hope I've, <laughs> hope I've made that point because I'm really desperate to make that point. Look at this. Uh, here, here's what God's will is. A couple of things in Scripture we can read that, that kind of gives us a hint as to what God's will is. Or, or what every other part of Scripture that talks about the will of God, it could be tied to. 
All right, so 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says this, this, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is uh, Timothy receiving instructions from uh, his mentor about the ministry he's uh, been assigned to, okay? And he's being told that it's God's desire that all men be saved, that all men come to a knowledge of the truth. So that tells me, because we know God doesn't change. God is the same. He always has been, always will be, and is now the same. So that means his will is the same, would it not be? Praise the Lord for that, because what, if, it did, if, if God's will did change, let's just hypothetically say that, if that, that means maybe tomorrow Jesus' death wasn't for me. It is today, but maybe not tomorrow. You see how, see how crazy that could get if God would ever change, but praise the Lord, he doesn't change. So his will is that people would, not, would know the truth and be saved. That's his will. So much so that he would send Jesus to come into this world just like me and you, go to the cross, suffer brutally, and die so that God could bring him back to life and we could have an open door through the blood of Christ to be redeemed, to be together with him again as was his intent. That's his will. Pretty clear, I think. I think everything that's tied to the kingdom of God and what goes on in the kingdom of God and what goes on in the scripture is tied to the fact that God wants his people to be saved. Look at Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? They meaning the people that God wants to be saved. How will, uh, how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? God, it's God's will, according to what we just read in uh, the first Timothy Chapter 2, that people would hear the truth and that they would be saved. That's his will. Romans is teaching us that how can someone make that decision if they don't hear the truth? And how can they hear the truth if no one is sent to preach? And it goes a little bit deeper than that because, it's, again, it's not all about the preacher or this preacher. Because each one of you as disciple makers are in your own gifted way preachers of the gospel. When you go into the world and make disciples, you are presenting the gospel message. You're presenting salvation to the world. Okay? So, so it's not about people growing and being called to be preachers in the pulpit, even though that's part of it. And as we look at Paul in Romans uh, 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 verse 15, uh, chapter 15 today and, and just three verses, verse 30 to 32 we're going we're gonna to look at a couple different aspects of him asking for prayer for himself alright now I've, I've met people and I've known people and I might have even been this person at a time or two where I didn't really I didn't really, uh, you know we just don't really feel comfortable asking for prayer for ourselves. depending on the situation right I know, this, I know this happens even in this congregation because uh, when me and Brother Larry work on the prayer list together, some of y'all are like, oh, don't put me on the list, but I need your prayers. Don't put me on the list, though. I'm not picking anybody out. It's, everybody does it. And it's just because we're trying to be humble and we don't want to 
We know our problems aren't as big as other people's. We understand that. But it's okay to ask for prayer for yourself. So it's okay to ask the brothers and sisters in Christ to go to the Lord on behalf of you or self. And any preacher, any, anybody who's called to preach the gospel, if we don't understand that, then we're going we're gonna to be disabled spiritually. If we, don't, if we don't go to the body of Christ and say, I need you to go talk to God about what he's doing in this ministry. And I need you to say my name because I'm the preacher that's assigned to this congregation. If I don't do that, I'm disabling myself. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not giving myself every opportunity to be successful in what the Lord's trying to do. Right? Let's, let's talk about how, how we can do that appropriately because there's inappropriate ways, right? Because here's what I'm not doing as a preacher or any other preacher should do. We should not do this. We should not come to the church and say, hey, I want you all to pray for me to be famous. Be all over the internet so everybody listen to me. Pray for me to be well known, right? Pray for me to do whatever, whatever the world wants to think a preacher is that's not accurate, right? That's not what we want. That's not what I want. It's the last thing I want. Matter of fact, if you notice in, the, in today's world, when people get well known, that's when they get a lot of problems. So there's a price to pay for that kind of thing. We're going to read uh, verse 30. I'm going to try to zoom through this a bit without going too fast. But I want to read verse 30 before we get into the points of what we're going to talk about. In verse 30, he says this. This is the end of Romans, the letter to, the Rome, uh, to those in Rome. And he's kind of urging the church and encouraging the church about some things. And he says, now I urge you in verse 30... Brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. That's what he's saying. He's not there. He's writing a letter, right? He's wanting to go there, but he's not there yet. In fact, he's got his own problems while he's writing this letter. And he's, you know, you, know, you guys know Paul and his ministry. He's been up and down and all around, upside down and in between. He's been everywhere. He's been tried, they tried to kill him a bunch of times. They threw him in prison a few times. They tried to beat him down, and they tried to shut him up. But he's still talking. He's still preaching the gospel. And if anybody uh, has done any kind of study in the Word of God, or, or even a study about Paul and his ministry, we can understand that Paul was not about self. Ever. Unless he's asking for prayer for himself. And even in that, he's not about self. He's saying to these believers, these brothers and sisters in Christ, first he's saying, look, I urge you. I'm, he said, I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you as brothers and sisters in Christ. Brethren, that's the word brethren. Family, which is what we are. Those of us who are saved, we have the same spirit living in us. We have the same Savior. We're saved by the same blood. We have the same grace and the same forgiveness from the same Father. We are one in Christ. Amen? Amen. That's what Jesus died for. That's God's plan. It's God's desire. It's his will. So he's like, look, I urge you, brothers and family, I urge you, look, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit. 
He's calling on the highest authority in this pleading moment. There's no other authority higher than calling on the Lord's name. There's nothing greater. He's saying, look, he's saying, by all that is holy, I'm asking you, brothers and sisters, if we are brothers and sisters and we're one in Christ, I'm asking you that we strive together in prayer. Of course, most believers, if not all believers, will say, yeah, we pray together. Let's pray together. And he's like, no, no, I want you to pray for me right now. He's saying, I need for you to go to our Holy Father on behalf of me. Hello? And, 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 And he's not saying that because, so much because he's in prison or because he's suffering. He's saying that because he's all about his ministry. You see how this is not a selfish thing on Paul's part. If we are let me just say this. I think the best thing that a believer can do for any other person ever is to go to the Father on their behalf. It's the most powerful tool we have. It's the most uh, blessed gift we could offer to anybody. To go to, pray, go in, to the Lord in prayer. Here's, here's, here's a couple things that he prayed for, and then over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at some other things that he's calling out, uh, that he's saying that the prayer is all about. But the main thing is, he's, 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 looking, he's looking here in uh, verse 31, he says, he's, here's, what, here's what we're going to pray about. He says, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints. And y'all know I've been praying for a helicopter for a while, right? <laughs> this is why I don't have one, because it is not in the Lord's will. <laughs> it's just not in his will that I would, there's no need for a helicopter. <laughs> Has nothing to do with my ministry. <laughs> Has nothing to do with preaching the gospel, so no, it's not happening. <laughs> you were the first one I was going to give a ride to, man. <laughs> oh, Lord. Paul, look, why would Paul need protection? Why would he need to be rescued from, from those in, or, that are in disobedient in Judea? Because think about Paul. Think about who he is, where he came from, and what he was about. Not what he is about now, but what he was about. He was the dude that was running around persecuting believers. Killing some of them. Totally against the message of Jesus. The gospel. And here he is. He's got to go back into this area he's got to go back in there but different he's got to go back in there saved by the blood of christ he's got to go back in there as a preacher of the gospel preaching the exact thing that he was against and leading others to be against so yeah so yeah he needs some he's got some explaining to do right to these people so he's saying look i'm i need some protection i need some rescue from these people in this area who are against the gospel who, who, who are the, the worldly people who, who are against everything that Jesus stands for. He also it needs the people that are there who might be believers to accept his ministry and not push him away. 
because of his past, because of his history. And of course, you know, we think about, okay, if we're really believers, right, if we're truly tuned in to who we are in Christ, wouldn't it be that we would forgive all of those who have sinned against us, including a guy like Paul? But it's not that easy, is it, sometimes? When I, when, I first, when I first got saved, especially when I started talking about going into the preaching ministry, I had, a lot of, I had a lot of friends, a lot of truck driving friends, a lot of construction friends, a lot of ball playing friends, and a lot of other people friends. Maybe a couple of them are still communicating with me today because I got saved and because I went off preaching. It's like we never knew each other. And if I tried to go back, it would... It would be different, for sure. Maybe they would accept me, maybe they wouldn't. But I'm not the same man they used to hang out with, I can tell you, I can tell you that. And this is what Paul is facing on a more extreme level, really. He wants his message to be accepted and heard. He wants uh, his message to be able to be preached. And if he is persecuted at all, or if he is uh, prevented from that because of the world or, or even the church, he wants prayers that he would be able to go and do what God has called him to do. Now, the preacher in today's world, whether it's this preacher or any other preacher that God has called to preach, do we not face the world and everything it wants to be against the gospel? I mean, especially in today's world, it is very possible for any preacher, even this preacher, to be canceled in today's society. I'm talking just shut down. And there might be a day in the near future that y'all might have to just start up a bail fund to get the preacher out of jail just for preaching the gospel. That's the world we're living in, y'all. So yeah, we need some protection, some rescue from that kind of persecution, from what society wants to do to tear down the gospel or tear down God's man or to tear down the witness that the preacher leads the rest of the church in the community to deliver. And if we think it's not happening around here, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. As long as we're not making a lot of noise, we're not going to get bothered. The more we go out and try to preach the gospel and love people in the name of Jesus the more trouble we're going to experience, the more resistance we're going to have. So yeah, your preacher needs your prayers in that. Every preacher wants to be as bold as Paul was. We all say we're going to be as bold as Paul. We're going to go out in the world and we're going to preach the gospel. I don't care if they beat us down, they throw us in jail. But until that ever starts happening, we'll never know if we're going to be that faithful. And I'm asking you to pray that I would be, no matter what. As long as the Lord has assigned me to this church. It's also important that the preacher, whoever God's called to be the preacher of this church or any other church, that the, that the church would accept his ministry, what God's doing in his life. Support what the Lord's doing. Support that it's the will of God for the church that where we're going and what we're doing is his will. Not just him, but the church as a whole, part of the family. And if there's a congregation in the world that, that does not allow the preacher and his family to be a part of the church family, they're going to struggle. 
And they're going to struggle badly to present the gospel because it takes, it takes all the joy and peace out of the preacher's ministry. So let me just pause and praise the Lord because I don't feel like that's the case here. I feel like the Lord has blessed me and my wife tremendously being a part of a, of a church that really does want to make disciples. We really do want the church to grow. We want people to get saved. We do our best, I think. We may not be perfect, but we do our best, right? I mean, I show up on Sunday, and y'all show up on Sunday, so I'm assuming that you're accepting what the Lord's doing in my ministry because we're still here together, right? So we'll praise the Lord for that. But it's important to pray about it, y'all. It's important to ask God. It's important to go to God and say, Lord, if it's your will that all, would, that all men would hear the gospel, all people would hear the gospel, and that they would uh, get saved, and that they need someone to preach the gospel to them, and we need to go in to make this up. If that's your will, Lord, then bless the man that you sent to do what he's called to do, to help you guys, to help the church, to help the believers, the body of Christ, go do what they're supposed to do. That's what the prayer is. That's why we pray for the preachers. Because whatever God's doing in their ministry is for you to be able to go do your ministry. And we depend on each other's ministry to honor God in our success. Really his success, right? You see how it is? That's why, that's why it, was, it, it took me a minute, took me a, a little while to lift up this book and ask you to read it. Because it really, the, the title of this book is pray, Praying for Your Pastor. And it just seems so selfish. But if you read it and you understand some of the things that are in there and you look at the scripture and you look at Paul's life and his ministry and what he's praying about, if you really look at that and you can say to, to the Lord, okay, Lord, I, I would like for our congregation, I would like for our preacher to be successful according to your will. I think that's what we all want, isn't it? Because it only, it only benefits what God's doing here. This is true for elders in the church. It's true for deacons in the church. It's true for ministry leaders. It's true for youth ministers, children's ministers. It's true for uh, everybody who is part of our church has a role to play in what God's doing. So this talk about praying for the preacher really applies to everybody, doesn't it? If we got people that are, are leading uh, our children, then we should pray that God's will be done in their ministry so the children would be blessed and that they would know him so that the gospel would be preached in their life. And them little kids that go off to school, you'd be surprised. These little kids, they'll go off to school and preach the gospel because they don't know they're supposed to be afraid of that until we teach them to, right? <clears throat> That's why we pray for the gospel. We're praying for the gospel, y'all. <clears throat> so that's where those are the two things for the, for this uh, this uh, weekend that we're going to look at. There's plenty of other things to look at that we're going to look at in the next couple of weeks. But he finishes up in verse 32. He says, "So that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company." Again, he's talking about the will of God. He's looking forward to coming to them, traveling to their presence. Not so much that he can preach to them, but he can sit and have fellowship with them and enjoy their company. 
Can you imagine? His ministry is to go around the world and preach the gospel. And he starts, I don't know how many churches. And he's constantly being put in jail. He's constantly being arrested, constantly being beat down, shipwrecked, kicked out of town, run into the ground. And all of this is happening. You know, at some point, every human being is going to sit back and say, I just need a break, Lord. Let me breathe for just a minute. Right? That's all he's saying. It's like, I'm looking forward to the moment when I can travel to y'all and we can sit and we can just eat a meal together and we can talk about all the great things that God's done. And I can just catch my breath. The only place to find that kind of rest for the preacher or for any other believer is in the body of Christ as we fellowship together. In the midst of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important to be a part of a church. That's why it's important to be part of a body of Christ that meets together regularly and serves together. Because when the time comes when we need this rest and this, this time of joy, it's there for us. And those that are in this world that are believers and they think they can do it without the church, they're going to be sadly mistaken. You cannot be the church by yourself. And every preacher needs to be part of the, of the family. And for the last five years, y'all didn't know, this is like five years now, like this month. I'm like, it just, it just happened, y'all. I mean, I just got here. <laughs> but a whole lot of stuff's happened in that five years too, hasn't it? We've been busy. But it's been a joy. Even in some of the harder times or stressful times it's been a joy because i we feel like me and my wife we feel like we're part of this family and we thank you for it we praise god for it that's what that's what that's what brings joy into a a, a preacher's ministry whatever the lord's doing in his life and whatever the work he's doing for the kingdom it, it, there's joy in that even when things are difficult or when things are challenging there's joy there because you know that you're part of a family, part of the family of God. You're not just the hired help, as some churches believe. And when a church thinks that way, it's troublesome for everybody, if you think about it. Right? Now, I praise the Lord that y'all paid me because we, we got bills. But <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying... <laughs> We're all in this together, and the Lord's given us our assignments. I'm going to close it up with this here. <laughs> look, at, look, at, look at verse 15 in chapter 10. We read verse 14 to start with, right? Where he said, who's gonna, who, how can anybody believe, or how can they decide to believe if you don't get, have somebody to preach? He says, how will they preach unless they are sent? How, 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 just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. This doesn't only apply to the preachers in the church. It does apply to the preachers because the preachers are supposed to be bringing the good news, right? He's, saying, he's, he's not saying, he's not saying uh, 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 he's got some nice shoes on or something like that. He's saying when, when the preacher who's bringing the good news comes, it should be not only just a blessing to the church, the body of Christ, it should, be, it should have a powerful impact in their life. It should have a powerful uh, impact such as uh, to motivate the church and to feed the church spiritually so that they can go into the world and make disciples. This is how we work 
in the direction of making disciples so that people will get saved. Because that's what it's about. Because that's what God's will is, isn't it? God's will is that when Jesus went to the cross, it gave us the gospel to preach so that we can go into the world and allow people to have a decision to be saved or not. And if it's not about that, then I've misunderstood my calling. Because I walked away from truck driving believing I was going to go into the world and preach so that people would get saved. And then I quickly learned not everybody wants to get saved. That's tough. That's real tough. Because there's still a little bit of the old me that wants to grab him by the shirt and say, why not? What's the matter with, what's the matter with you? that's not the way we do it is it we keep preaching the gospel we keep going into the world we keep going to the father and say lord bless what we're doing for you lead us in ways that would be productive bless the preacher that when he's doing his ministry that he would be protected and rescued and that he would be accepted not he the man, but who he is in Christ as a preacher and what God is doing. That's what we're praying over. We're praying over what God's doing here. And, and Lord knows I need those prayers. Because the biggest danger for this man's ministry is me. If I don't learn to get out of the way and let the Lord do his thing, I can mess it up just as bad as the world can. So when you're praying for me, you pray that the Lord would help me not become the problem in my ministry and help me to be uh, ready for his service and help me to recognize when there's times of joy and refreshing. As we talk about praying for the preacher and praying for the gospel to be preached and the message to be effective, uh, I would, I would have to say it's time for me to present the gospel, right? <laughs> Which you guys already know. Most of you guys already know the gospel. Maybe somebody online don't. Maybe they don't. Maybe they hear, need to hear it. But the gospel is that Jesus is the Christ. He's the one that God sent into the world to go to the cross because the penalty for sin is death. Spiritual death. Separated from God for eternity. That's, that's the problem. And way back in Genesis chapter 3, we could see that God said, I'm going to fix the problem. And we see that Jesus comes into the world and he goes to the cross, and that's his purpose. When he goes to the cross, sin is paid for. The death payment is made for the sins of man. The problem is, is everyone wants to stop right there. Everyone wants to say, okay, woohoo, let's, let's all go to heaven and we'll continue to live our lives until then, right? But the reality is, is the only ones that are going to be saved are the ones that actually receive this as truth, surrender themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, recognize that they are offenders of this holy God, and choose to stop being that way. That's called repentance. I don't want to live this way. I don't want to do this anymore. 
Then you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then, it, then the Bible tells us plenty of times and shows us plenty of times through example after example that you should be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That means immersed. The, the word means immersed for the forgiveness of your sins. That's the point in which God, based on your obedience to what you believe that's true, is when God extends his forgiveness into your life. None of those things, faith, repentance, baptism, those things don't save you. Jesus' work on the cross is what saves you. When he died on the cross and was resurrected from the dead, that's where salvation comes from. But because of your faith, you begin to act on your faith. Because James, James tells us that faith without deeds is dead. So if we don't do anything, we can say we believe all we want to, but if we don't do anything, then how can we enter into what's true? How can we accept what God has offered? So that's why we, have, we believe and we repent. We're baptized for the forgiveness of every sin. Then we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, y'all. And when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit because of all of these things, that's when you get to be, that's when you get to be a part of the body of Christ. You get to be a part of the church. You're in the family, y'all. You're, you're, you're part of the biggest thing going in the universe. Because God loves you. And then, and only then, is when you can join in with the rest of the believers and strive together in prayer for God's will. Right? That's, that's what Paul's starting off here. He's like, let's strive together and pray. Let's strive together and go to God and talk to him about his will for what he's doing in my ministry so that people can be saved. Do you want people to be saved? I mean, do you really want people to be saved? It, 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 it involves talking to people. It involves loving people. Sometimes it involves fe feeding people food, physical and spiritual. You know how many times I've sat over a meal and been able to talk to somebody about the Lord? Food has this thing that it does to us. Fellowship. But if we don't pray, the way that Paul is encouraging the believers to pray. If we don't pray for the Lord's will to be done, then we're, dis we're, we're disabling ourselves spiritually. I love you and the Lord loves you. We're going to stand together and sing uh, an invitation. Uh, Jesus paid it all. I think that's what we're singing. Yep. So let's stand together and we'll sing a couple of verses of that. If you have a decision to make, now is the time to come up here and we'll take care of that together. So let's stand together and we'll sing. You ready?